we're going to start a new series, and it's going to be titled Limited Unlimited. And um, it should be real interesting to look at these scriptures. Uh, I think that as we get into this series, one thing that will happen is, is our idea of God uh, will maybe get tweaked a little bit. That's okay, right? Um, so turn to Psalms right there, the biggest book in the Bible, and we're going to begin reading in the 78th chapter, Psalm 78, and you'll see when we get there um, that this scripture actually kind of has the words in the title or in our title. And so Psalm 78, verse 41. And uh, so like I said, the message is going to be called Limited, Unlimited. And uh, right here in this verse 41, it's pretty interesting. Because, you know, God is, most people would agree, God is all-powerful. Would, would most people agree? I mean, really not just all-powerful, just beyond what you can imagine is power. He is. And his ability to work and everything like that. But sometimes I think people wonder about him up there with his power and us down here with a need. And what gets God to move? You know, come on, God. You know? And, and we're going to look at some of that stuff. And maybe your opinions about some things may cha change as we look at scriptures. Have you, has your opinion ever changed after you looked at scripture? Amen. Amen. Psalm 78 verse 41 says this. And it's important to listen. Yes, again and again they tempted God. Now this is the children of Israel. And notice this next part. And limited the Holy One of Israel. Notice this. Who limited who? They limited God. That's an interesting thought because God's all powerful. How could anybody limit him? You know, and there are reasons why he's limited. This shows us a lot of things to me. One, it shows God's character and willingness to do. His great love to want to do something for them, and they limited it. But it shows an attempt on God's part. Because, I mean, you know, it means there's power, there's ability beyond what's happening and what's occurring, because it says, Again and again, they tempted him, and notice, are you listening to me? Limited him. But isn't he all-powerful? Can't he just do what he wants to do? No, because he has set up rules by which he works. But he here is attempting to do something beyond what is presently occurring in their lives. And how many people would pray a prayer like this? Come on, God, we want you to move. Don't you care? Anybody ever heard that kind of prayer? But, but the interesting thing here is that must be some kind of wrong praying because he did care that he's initiating stuff, something and they're limiting it. You with me? That's an interesting thought 
because God's all-powerful, but it doesn't take much observation to recognize God can be limited all the time. See, now religious people go, I'll tell you what, that ain't true. Yeah, it is because you would have been here last week. <laughs> if it were up to God, right? Nobody'd be missing, right? And, and did he not die for the whole world that the whole world might be saved? Are they? Or is that numbers limited based on a response of humanity and a response of them having knowledge to act on it? It shows, one thing it shows is his great love and his great character. What happens is if you're left to yourself and your own thinking, the enemy and maybe yourself and how you were brought up can lead you to some destructive thinking. Well, God doesn't love me. That's why I don't see this right now. God's not for me. That's why I don't see this right now. God's not working. There must be something, you know, that he's just upset about and he's not wanting this for me. And that's not true. He was attempting to do it and they were limiting. You with me? We know this by personal experience of things happening in our own lives where things are limited. I mean, you know, even cars. I remember when I was at the church and I was a youth pastor years ago, and there we had a bus, and they had what they called a limiter or a governor on there that you could only drive the thing so fast, and it'd be like, but it could technically go faster if you could get that thing off. And I know that there are cars today, that, certain European cars that they send here that are like performance cars, they basically set them so they can all go 155 miles an hour max, which I don't understand because you need to be able to go faster just in case. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what the case is. But, um, but then you can pay or, you know, get a different software that will take what they call the limiter off of the car. The potential is there in the car, but you have to do something to take the limits off. I know that's not how people think when it comes to God, but I don't know about you, but it says, yes, again and again. How often could this happen? Again and again. Was it what God wanted? Listen, it says yes again and again. They tempted God and limited. And the implication is again and again they tempted and again and again they limited. How did they tempt God? It's an interesting question. It may not be the way you think. Maybe they tempted him because they didn't believe big enough. Didn't think big enough about him. Notice this. And they limited the Holy One of Israel. Who limited God? They did, and it's implied that they limited him again and again. Well, that's an interesting thing because, you know, it doesn't take much observation of Scripture to realize they truly did limit God. But even in his limited, being limited, 
we see marvelous things happen, right? He brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, brought them through the Red Sea. He attempts to bring them into their land, and they said, we can't do it. And he said, it is yours now. And they limited what he wanted for them. They limited him. But go look at how they limited him. For 40 years, they had manna rain down from heaven. That was in a limited place. That wasn't God's intention. They had quail blow in and come in and they could now eat quail because they murmured and complained. So God gave them quail. But that was limited. That was God being limited. They had a serpent on a brazen pole for healing, but that was all God being limited. Their clothes did not wear out for 40 years. That was all God being limited, and we rejoice in that. But what we're rejoicing in is people who limited God. What was his plan? Come out, go directly in. There's a land there that you don't have to work to plant. The water just comes through the canyons and the valleys, all these different things. And they said, we can't do it. And God said, yes, you can. And they limited what he wanted to do right there. But that didn't mean great things didn't happen, but they were limited. Thank you. Thank you. You know what's wild right here? It said again and again. Well, I don't know about you. Maybe I've been limiting God again and again. Maybe you have been limiting God again and again. I know that's a foreign concept because we hear things like, well, if you just pray and he doesn't do it, he didn't want it for you. But you don't find that in Scripture. Thank you. We're going to look at a lot of verses just like this so you can get your head straightened out. And me too. Right? Because, you know, immediately when I pray, it's God's fault. That's just how it is. If I pray and it doesn't happen, it's God's fault. And now I'm ticked off at him for the rest of my life and I'll never serve him. Because it's God's fault. You know, that's what this verse said. Again and again, it was God's fault. But how many people have an attitude about God? Well, I'll serve him because he's God, but I'm ticked off. Now, don't raise your hand, and don't everybody rejoice at once. But we're going to go through a number of, as a matter of fact, I put down several, and I had a bunch more, and I just deleted them and said, well, we've got next week if we go down this path again. Because it's good to see this is not an uncommon thing in the Bible, but what it is really is a perspective from an earthly view. Here's a thought. And this isn't in my notes, but most people know Job, right? The book of Job, like when you're needing work, you go there. No, it's that story about Job. Most Bible scholars believe that whole story happened within six to nine months. Most people think it was his whole life. But if you notice, Job made a statement like this because he had a wrong perspective. He said, the Lord gives... And the Lord takes away. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. Anybody ever sang that song? Gives and takes away. Well, then don't. I hate that song. Because it's unscriptural. I yell sometimes. I, and the problem with the song is, it's great, but it's horrible. You know, catchy beat, good. Then all of a sudden he gives and he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. How can you win when God gives and takes away? See, Job did say the Lord gives and then the Lord took away, didn't he? Then you think, man, we got a character issue with God. You know, you got to be politically correct nowadays so you can't say he's an Indian giver. Because that would be like, whoa, he just said Indian giver. You can't say that. I got to come up with something else. Like he just gives and takes away. That shows something ill in his character. Then if I think he just gives and he's snatching away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, I got to say that because he's so big, he'll just take more. But if you read the story, it said Job was in captivity and the devil was the one who did it, not God. Go read Job's story. Job was looking from this standpoint, but in the spirit, the devil had gone and pleaded with God. And Job, through fear and pride, had opened the door for evil to come into his life. When he repented and changed those things, James, the fifth chapter, comes into play. Because God was blessing Job. That was God's character. God was not taking away. God was giving to Job. But the Bible talks about when his captivity was, was turned. Notice this. James 5. Uh, and it says this. Verse 11. And the whole context is fantastic here. Verse 11. James 5.11. Indeed we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance in Job and seen the end that was intended by the Lord. What did the Lord intend? God's character was to bless Job, not steal from Job. The devil came and stole. Job, just in his ignorance, said that. Go read the context. The devil said, I can't even touch that man. And until he learned that the hedge of protection was down, that Job took down, he moved in. As soon as Job repented, it was on. And then you see God's heart and love and compassion. Finally, because he wanted it for him the whole time, all of a sudden Job ends up with twice as much more because then you see who messed the thing up. It was Job who did something, not God. His character was to help Job, not harm Job. You with me? I mean, think about it. If you just read and look at scriptures, you would see that. Even with Jesus' ministry, how many times did he say, well, this storm is here to teach us something right now? No, he rebuked the disciples, said, why didn't you get up and rebuke the storm? Thank you for your excitement. Notice the end intended by the Lord. This is what the Lord intended. The devil intended to kill Job. You with me? He was wiping him clean. 
That's where he was going. And it says, this is what was intended of the Lord, that he is very compassionate. And it goes on to say that the Lord is very compassionate and very merciful. Now let's go back there to Psalm 78. You glad you're here? Get your heads squared on straight. Remember Rock'em Sock'em Robots? Anybody remember those? I think they're back out again. The blue guy and the red guy that are in the boxing ring and you push with your thumbs with all your might. And if you get the right uppercut, his head goes zzzz and you win. I wonder how many people are walking around being zzzz, you know, been knocked and their head is somewhere where it shouldn't be. And the Lord's trying to put it back right. Think about it. Who limited him? So that means he was attempting. I mean, if I'm attempting to do something and you jump in my way, I'd say, don't do that. You're stopping me or limiting me. Right? And, I, and if every time I go to do something, you know, kids are like that. You keep jumping in the way. Go to a basketball game. You know? And be there and the opposing team, the guys at the free throw line and wanting to show, throw up the free throw. And you think about it, you know, the stands just get totally quiet for him, right? They're like, just quiet. This is the opposing star. We're just going to be quiet while he shoots a free throw, right? Isn't that how it happens? If you say, yes, you're not even listening to me. No, they, they, they have masks, they have balloons, they have towels. They got guys screaming and the whole thing's swaying. Why? They're trying to limit his actual ability to make him be less than what he could be. Right? I mean, that's what it's for. It's not so you can get on camera. Well, maybe it would be if I was there. I'd be like, cool, we're on camera. <laughs> you know, but... You want to get that guy to not go to his full potential. And we're talking about God, and it says how often they did this. Again and again, because the verse before says how often. Then verse 41 says yes, again and again. They tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. How did they limit him? Is there a way to get the limits off? Listen, if I'm the one limiting him, I am the one who's to unlimit him. I know people don't like that, but that's tough. Could somebody limit him from saving them and experiencing it? You better believe it. And have you ever tried to talk him into it? And they're like, no, no, no. And finally they're like, yes. And they're like, that was the greatest thing I did in my life. Who was limiting God there? God? Did, does he, you see his character. He already provided it. He already paid for it. He wanted them to have it. He didn't want anybody to perish. But the world can limit him through different means. You with me? And there are various reasons why God is limited from being able to do things in people. Some people are just satisfied with their life right where it is. And when they get a call from God, they don't want to follow because I'm okay. But you see those people get into enough trouble, guess what? They'll go running to God. But here's the thing, God's still merciful to them. 
still kind to them, still willing. If I was God, maybe not. Now, you're going to have to wait a while now. <laughs> Should have listened to me the first time. But he's not like that. But notice again and again. And then it gives you the answer, which I didn't know if I would share this today. But he said, verse 42, they did not remember, they limited. Notice this phrase, they did not remember his power. That's the first thing that people do when they limit God. They, they forget how powerful he is and how powerful he wants to be in their life presently. It said they didn't remember his power the day he redeemed them from the enemy. Verse 43, when he worked his signs in Egypt, they forgot all about his ability and how he, in his love, was working for them to deliver them. And immediately they go out and they forget all this. And then when they forgot what he was willing to do, they're about to go do something else. And they're forgetting he's willing to help them. And now they're limiting him. And it says, notice verse 42, how they, they forgot. They didn't remember in the day that he redeemed them from the enemy. When he worked his signs in Egypt and his wonders in the land of Zoan. It goes on to start telling all the things they forgot. You know why he went on to tell you all the things they forgot? So they would remember, the next group would remember. How many times when people are in trouble, they forget about God's power, his willingness, his character, or they short circuit it by thinking, well, God doesn't love me. I've done so many things wrong. The children of Israel had done a bunch of stuff wrong. But that's not what limited them. Thank you. You, you can handle some more? Okay, just checking. Because <laughs> you wonder. One thing that's, I think, important in this is to recognize God's character and his willingness to do. That he is willing and he is working and he is set himself toward helping. And toward working. Notice another one in Luke 13. Luke 13 we see something again where God is, by his character, is wanting to help, wanting to rule, wanting to have dominion and help these people. And uh, we read here in Luke 13, 34, it says, and this is Jesus here, Luke 13, 34, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And notice how this one starts off. You who kills the prophets and stone those who are sent to you. You know what he basically said? Are you listening? You need to be listening to this. Think about it. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You who kill the prophets and stone them and you do all this bad stuff. Notice that part right there. Those who are sent to her, or you could say to you. Notice, what's he saying? God sent prophets. God sent people to help. And he kept sending it, kept showing his character. But when he would send it, they would kill him, stone him. 
But God's character was to send again. Help again. Do some more. What's wrong with this God? It's his character. Sorry, are we reading the same Bible? Because I think some people aren't catching this. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. This is how he approaches them. You've got a history of not accepting what God is trying to give to you. Are you paying attention? Because you, you can't let this in one ear and out the other. You with me? Because you'll, you'll have a wrong idea. Notice. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who were sent to her. There's a lot there. Showing God's character. What were prophets for? To help them. I mean, these are ones that are influenced by God who are being sent to help them. And if you killed the prophet that's sent to you, are you going to hear what you're supposed to hear? No. And so God is trying to give them messages and trying to give them things. And they're stoning the thing, killing and doing all this ill to the thing that God is sending you think they're hindering God's will? This is how the Lord approaches this conversation. Notice this. How often are you listening? How often? Doesn't that sound like before? How often? Notice. How often? How often did they hinder? How often I wanted to gather your children or the people of Israel together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. What in the world? God's representative, Jesus, God in the flesh, said, I have been attempting to do this for you. And this, because why? God is love. God didn't just give his son to save the world, but he gave his son to save the world. But he at the same time was trying to gather Israel to come underneath his domain and under his rule. But notice they said, no. And he said, you've got a history of saying no. So did the Lord lie here? And say, well, I wanted to gather you, but I just needed a scripture that sounded good. But I didn't mean that one bit. No, then that means he wanted to do this and they limited him. Right? They limited the prophets. They limited the ones that were sent. And then here, they're about, to, and not just to limit him then, notice he said, Notice that phrase, how often I wanted. So it wasn't just one time that the Lord wanted to do this. It wasn't just one time that he attempted to do it. Thank you for your excitement. 
I wonder if there's something the Lord's attempting to do, but we foul it up or somebody has. How often I wanted to gather your children together. How often was I trying to? You, you know Psalm 91? He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord. And remember it says under his feathers. It's a similar term of a young bird getting underneath the protection of its mother or the one that's stronger and greater. And here he said, I'm trying to do that. They knew those scriptures from the Old Testament. And he said, I am attempting to do this. A side thought, if he's attempting and I'm saying, God, why aren't you doing this? We may be approaching each other on the wrong runway. To me, this shows character of great love. How many of you going to do that? Send a prophet. Send again and again. Keep sending them and go, well, they'll listen to my son. I'll send to my son. Jesus told a parable in Matthew 21, 33 through 38 about how he told this parable, how that uh, a, a a land belonged to this landowner and then he lent it out to others and then he started sending servants and sending these different ones to them to inquire about the land that truly belonged to him. But every time he would send one, they would get beaten or they would get killed. And he said, surely they will hear my son and I will send my son. And when they, the son came in this parable, it said the people said, it's the son, let's kill him. But notice it's the same, same type of thing where God's goodness and God's character is toward man. And they said, nah, not this time. And they hindered him. Do you think God wants humanity messed up? Wants humanity? You, want, you think he wants people addicted to drugs? You think he wants people bound in sin? You think he wants people undignified? You think that's what his ultimate goal is? And he's just upset and that he wants his creation hurting and sick and messed up. And he's just so mad right now. No, even in their state like that, his character is love. We can see that. There wasn't one righteous. The Bible said, no, not none. And he sent his son. Shows his character. His character didn't change. Like after about 500 years, he's like, oh, I'm ticked off. Enough of this business with what these humans. No, it's his character. The problem is, that's why I said we get our head screwed on straight. We realize his character is, he's totally for us. He totally wants his best for us. And he wants his best in us so that we can tell others about his best. But you think about it. Again, we see something very interesting. It says, uh, though God, you know, is sending, they're not accepting. And then we see how that he goes the extra mile and comes himself and then makes multiple attempts 
at these people he had previously formed a covenant with, and it said they would not, to the point they ended up killing him. Now, some did. Notice this in Psalm 118. We're going to, I don't know how much further we're going to go. Isaiah, I'm sorry. Isaiah, the first chapter. We'll look at another one. Because sometimes people think, well, if it's, if it's going to be, it's going to be God. It's all up to God. But we technically have looked at several verses that tell us God is predisposed to help, to provide, to look out for. He's already supplied. He already wants. And it's less about God and more about us. I know people don't like that. God is super powerful. But there will be people when he returns, and we know he's powerful because we've said this, the minute he shows up, everything that he's been wanting is going to come into play. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more disease, no more anything like that will come into effect right when he shows up, and the devil will be bound. But right now, he has given authority and paid for blessing already today and so but when he takes back over the program it all comes to pass now some people say well it's his will that we be oppressed if it's his will for you to be oppressed then that's his will for you in heaven too and jesus said pray father your will be done on earth like it is being done in heaven so it shows that God wants his will to be done on the earth like it's being done in heaven. And if you've got questions and you think God's will is bad and ill when you get to heaven, not any child would think that. And so then you see that Jesus is praying and telling them, this is what you want, this is what you need. And But does it automatically happen? But it is God's character toward us. I think it's important in this whole subject of um, limited, unlimited, is this. You got to know God's character. And sometimes we've been ingrained by, well, if you do good enough and you do this and you deserve it, you get it. You don't deserve nothing. You don't deserve Jack. You're not that good. I'll tell you what, I've worked for everything I got. Then don't call it a gift from God. Don't call it a gift from God then. No, God can bless you through, through things, and he does. But we need to realize it's not about me. We need to recognize his character is good, and he wants good in our lives. And he can bless whatever you put your hand to. He can bless your land more than anybody else's. And that's actually his intent. But sometimes we can get a crooked idea of how God is. Well, let's just look at another one. Oh, there's lots of these. Uh, Isaiah 118 says this, come now. And let us reason together, says the Lord. Here we go. Though your sins are like scarlet, nobody's perfect. Even if you think you are, you're not. 
So if you realize it takes mercy for you to be able to be before God and he gave it in Christ, when you really recognize that, you'll start to be more merciful on other people, even though they're not as perfect as you. There's a lot you could say right there. Though your sins be like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Notice like snow and notice who's inviting this. The Lord. It's his character. He wants you to be clean. He wants you forgiven. He, no matter what you've done, no matter what, he's, he's giving the invitation. But guess what? There's the, do you want to walk with him? And I know this is a little different because of how the present day redemption is when you receive Christ. It's paid for. But notice verse 19. He said, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Notice the good of the land is there to eat. And he now gives instructions for eating. That means God has prepared the land. Didn't he prepare the land in the book of Genesis for man, then put man there and said, you can partake of all of it. And here he gives instructions for partaking of the good of the land. I think we'll close with this verse right here. These two verses, Ephesians The first chapter. Because I think it's so important for us to recognize God initiates this stuff when you're not perfect. God initiates this because He loves you. God initiates these things before you were on the scene many times, and God cares and loves, and He's attempting. And there's a human factor many times that people do not put into the equation. Though he wants to be unlimited and he has made attempts to be unlimited in our lives, that there has been things that have limited him. One of them was they forgot. If you start looking at a lot of these in detail, you'll recognize many times just ignorance and lack of knowledge is one of the greatest hindrances or limiting factors with God. Sounds strange, but as you look, it's true. Here's, a, here's why you could know real easy. What did the disciples were taught to told, or told in the beginning to do when Jesus left? What was the first thing he said when he rose or when he told them? He said, besides wait in Jerusalem, he said, go and preach. Why go preach? Because knowledge is the key to yielding to God and walking in what he wants for you. So he told them, go preach. So what if people aren't preaching the right thing? and then you have a wrong knowledge, then God's still limited, but you love him. You love him. Love him with my, all my heart. I die for him. Yet though he slays me, I will serve him. You ever heard stuff like that? Yeah. Um, that's not what he's trying to do. 
Yeah, I said he's not trying to do that. But when we don't realize how much he cares and how he loves and what he's bought and what he's paid for and what he's attempting to do, we could end up limiting him just because of ignorance. And some of the smallest things as Christians maybe have played out in some of the biggest hindering ways, like God calling us to pray and read, and we're like, we're too busy. And then we tell people, you know, even I've done that before. That's not to boast about. That's selfishness, basically, that's driving you to do your own thing. That's pride. It's the enemy's ways, and you're holding God out. And in the ultimate, that could limit him. Why? Because then I didn't get time, didn't obey him. It limited what I knew, so it limited me yielding to him. Okay. Ephesians 1, maybe we should stop. Ephesians 1. Maybe we'll just stop right there and we'll pick it up next week. There's a lot more you could say, and we will say. But we do need to realize God's character and that he's already predisposed to love, to bless. He's already provided. And he wants good. Amen? And, and we know that certain things are not automatic. But he definitely tells us how to partake. Amen?